welcome in the box office quarterbacks with Ryan Schmelz and Jeffrey Gordon. I'm Ryan Schmelz, joined as always by Jeffrey Gordon. Just wrapped up the uh, fifth and what it seems to be the final season of Last Chance U. Jeff, you watch that show? I've not watched it. A lot of people have recommended it to me, but I, I just haven't got around to it. But now that football season's wrapping up, I might do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked you never watched it because I remember when we were in uh, Midland, Texas, where Jeff and I actually met, everyone we worked with watched the show. Jeff was like the only person who didn't. I mean, everyone at my station did, and I think a good amount of people you worked with and people at the other stations had watched it. So I'm really I shocked. Think I, I think I was a little footballed out. <laughs> I don't care, to be honest with you. Yeah. Today's episode, we are looking at Palm Springs. It's the newest movie we've done so far. Uh, we, um, we watched this show, or we started this podcast. I think we were a little aware that we weren't going to be able to be reviewing too many movies as they were coming out because we're in the middle of a pandemic and Hollywood seems to slightly be on hold. But this was released uh, in July, and it has uh, gotten some pretty solid reviews so far right off the top. Uh, seven, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 7.5 on IMBD. So it's, it's been well-reviewed, and I, I think it could be considered an instant classic, maybe? I would say so. It's definitely my favorite movie of 2020, which is, you know, different, a different bar than... Uh, previous years but um i would say it's an instant classic it's a nice twist on the time loop movies that we've seen in the past um edge of tomorrow comes to mind for me groundhog day those types like of movies. the butterfly effect does that count as a time time loop movie i would say so too yeah it's interesting you know you kind of do a little bit of research on the time loop concept it's, it's a it's a storytelling like uh a theme, I guess, you know, it's, it, it's something that has been done a lot in, in books, in fiction writing, as well as in obviously movies that we've seen. But yeah, I feel like Groundhog Day is probably one of the notable ones, at least when it comes to comedy and a time loop concept. So this was, you know, when you watch the trailer, you kind of like, oh, well, it's a modern day Groundhog Day, but it's a, it, it makes, it definitely, definitely, definitely separates itself from that movie quite a lot. The thing I love most about it is there's a really nice romantic comedy in the middle of this movie. And that's the main plot, really, in the end, is these two characters that are stuck in the same situation with each other kind of learn to love each other over time. And that's the sweetest part of the entire thing for me. Oh, yeah. we. Um, I mean, this movie's definitely what, what makes it so so enjoyable. It's definitely Andy Samberg and... Um... Uh, Kristen Milotti's, uh chemistry on on screen together. They they definitely uh, match very well. They both do a very good job with their characters, and their characters definitely thrive off of each other's energy throughout the film. Yeah, um, Kristen Milotti, uh she was really good on How I Met Your Mother as the mom at the end of that season. She kind of has that girl next door quality to her, and she brings that here, and. Um, She's one of the best female leads I've seen in a really long time. Um, I picked up a lot more on this movie the second time I watched it. And I, I would kind of encourage everyone else to kind of go back a second time and uh, pick up all the clues that you kind of get along the way. Yeah, I made the mistake not watching this a second time uh, when we decided to, to review this film because it, it definitely is one of those movies where if you watch it multiple times, there's so much... Uh, 
I guess, clues they give you or different ways that you can look at things. And it was kind of like that with Groundhog Day uh, when that came out, too. So it, it is one I really do wish that I, uh, I would have watched a second time before doing this review. But at the same time, that's why I have you. So you'll, you'll kind of be able to, I guess, we can kind of build, or build off of each other's interpretations of the plot and everything like that. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, the, the main thing I picked up is right at the beginning of the movie, you're introduced to uh, Niles, Andy Samberg's character, and he just does not care about anything at all, and you don't understand why. He's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and shorts to a wedding, and he's just pounding beers during the reception. Um, and then uh, you start to realize that he's been, tuck, been stuck in this time loop for what the director said was close to 40 years, which is insane. Yeah, that is That was the genius move, I think, with um, with this movie up top, because it, it definitely seemed like a, a, a Groundhog Day ripoff to begin with, because I, you remember Bill Murray's character in Groundhog Day was totally, like, grumpy, I would say. Definitely not, like, the, the ideal human being to start the film. And... And you, you kind of get that vibe for him. It's like, oh, we're going to deal with a rebellious guy who doesn't care about anything. But then you realize, oh, no, that's not the case. We're in the middle. We're, we're pretty much in the middle of the time loop already. Uh, and his this thing's been going on already. We just don't know yet. We didn't know that at the time. And it's, it, it uh oh uh -oh. There we go. Uh-oh, there we go. There we go. Tom's going crazy. What's, ha what's going on, I think? He's a very good guard dog. I appreciate him a lot. Hey, you got a door-to-door -door salesman out there? Uh, there's always people passing by here. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm done with it. <laughs> no, but it, but it is true. that the, the, the plot twist that he's been in this, in this time loop for nobody knows how long, and we're kind of just seeing another day in the life of his never-ending day. And I love that, you know, because... For one of my favorite scenes, I have the his best man speech, or it's not his. He interrupts pretty much, and they're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Saving the day," and he gives this awesome speech and blows the crowd away. And then you find out that oh wait, he's given this speech before. That's why he's kind of learned a way to master it. Yeah. So the best part of that scene is um, Sarah and Niles are having a con their first conversation that we see between the two characters. And uh, Sarah's grandma walks up to Niles, and she's like, this is the best wedding speech I've ever heard in my entire life. And she's like, I've been to so many weddings that I can't even remember anymore. And, he, he, and then Niles is like, oh, well, you'd be surprised about that. And it's one of the first clues that something's kind of off here. Yeah. Um, oh, and obviously the fact that he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, that's definitely the... Uh... I love that. He's wearing I a bathing suit. A too. He's also wearing a bathing suit to a wedding. I don't know how uncomfortable that would be. I mean, I would. <laughs> bathing suits aren't the most comfortable thing in the world. Yeah. Um, coming from a guy that used to wear um, like shorts to anchor sports back in the day, um, I am right on on uh, on that guy's game plan. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, all right, well, I guess we could just go ahead and jump into best scenes since we already kind of started on this. Um, so obviously, I think we both have the, uh, the, the, the impromptu speech by, by, by Niles as our, uh, 
as one of our favorite scenes. Um, I like a scene that happens not too long after that call. It's the speed. It's the the dance scene, um, and it's you know you got a bunch of people on the dance floor, and Niles is kind of maneuvering his way around the room as he makes eye contact with Sarah for the first time. And he, he eventually gets to her, but he just does all these shenanigans at first. Like he's like drinking somebody else's drink and then he goes and he he gets a chair for the the one family member who's so drunk that he's falling down and doesn't even notice that he has a drink in his hand. Um, and it's just a really funny way of utilizing the cast uh, and all the other extras uh, on that dance floor. Yeah, that's what I caught the second time is when he catches the guy falling down with the chair. Um, how many times has this guy been to this wedding? And it seems like he's, he goes, he definitely goes there almost every single day. Um, so yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes too. But what happens directly after that scene is um, one of my favorites is when they're out in the desert kind of making out with each other and Roy shows up. And this is the first time we're introduced to Roy. And it's just so crazy because we don't know what's going on yet. And then this guy just is hunting the main character. Yeah, I refer to it, I wrote down to refer to this, the first 15 minutes of this movie are organized chaos. Um, the, just the most outrageous stuff happens in the first 15 minutes, but it's so well put together, even though it is absolutely ridiculous. But then you find out it all has a meaning to it. You know, from when him and his girlfriend are hooking up in their hotel room, and it's a very odd series of events there, to his speech to them meeting for the first time. And that's when we, and I have, that is another great scene, which is their first time they talk. They both have real, you just notice right off the bat the, how great the chemistry is in the first uh, couple of minutes these two are on screen together. And then obviously then you get the other plot twist, another great scene in this first 15 minutes, which is when they, you hear the plot twist of the fact that Misty's cheating on him and they have their first kiss at the window spying on the two people hooking up, which is kind of weird, but kind of funny at the same time. And then you go out to the desert and they have a hilarious bit where she's given Niles crap because he's wearing boxers with uh, his bathing suit. <laughs> and then he uh, gets shot with an arrow and he gets chased into a cave by a guy who wants to kill him. And yeah, that's all in the first 15 minutes, I believe. Yeah, it starts fast and it doesn't really let up after that. So... The cave is never explained, and you just see Roy kind of walk into it, and Niles is limping his way in, and then Sarah goes in, despite Niles telling her to stay away, and then we're off and running to the next day, and then the next day, and the next day. Um, I love when Sarah wakes up, and she realizes something is off because it's November 9th again, and uh, Niles is in the pool like he always is, and she just goes and starts pelting beer cans at his head. Yep. Uh, it's a great scene. Yeah. Uh, I honestly compared this to uh, Saving Private Ryan for comedies, where, remember the first 15 minutes of Saving, 15 to 20, 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan are pure insanity before it calms down a little bit. Um, and that's kind of how this movie is. It's just, it's comedy foot off the, foot on the gas. But then again, this movie really doesn't calm down too much throughout. And, it, and in a way, it kind of, probably needed to a little bit more but you got a whole hour and a half here and you feel like uh they execute every they, they utilize every minute of the hour 30 in this movie yeah 
and right away you kind of see the rules of the time loop, how even if you die or you try to commit suicide or anything like that, you just wake up the next day. So there is no way out of this mm-hmm. that they know of right away. And uh, there's a great scene where Sarah drinks a bunch of coffee and drives her way all the way back to Austin, only to wake up once again on November 9th. And I think it was after that scene she starts to realize that uh, I, I'm a little bit screwed here in this scenario. Yeah. Uh, I, I have another great scene, a uh, favorite scene. I have the, the first time they commit, she commits suicide. Is uh, pretty special. I believe they're in a car. And yeah. she's like, and he, he takes his seatbelt off. He's like, oh, I've done this before. And he goes, okay, just remember. If you don't actually die here, you have to die slowly in the ICU bed, and you're still going to wake up the next day. Trust me, it's the worst way to go. And she takes her seatbelt off, and then she just rams right into the car, or into the yeah. ongoing 18-wheeler, and that's, she dies that way like five times, I think, in this movie. Yeah. Um, so it's not the first time we're going to see that happen, but I do think the first one's pretty, pretty hilarious, how they build it up. Or as they kind of keep the tension going in, as they're in the car, as they, she keeps getting more and more aggravated, then eventually they, you know, pfft, done. So, you know, after she kind of gets over this initial shock, they start having a little more fun together because they know they're both in the same situation together. And I love when they first wake up in the morning, they zoom in on both characters' eyes, and you can just see kind of the excitement in there, and you can see kind of a relationship building of, and it's like a nice montage of all the crazy uh, stuff that they get into, like going into a bar and dancing out of nowhere and stealing a plane. Uh, I love that montage. Yeah, you start realizing that um, he's really just happy to have somebody lost with him, you know? And, and you could kind of see how his character kind of shifts when, when she gets trapped in this world with him. And then, but then you realize why he's really happy about it uh, later on as the movie progresses, because that, that, we've got a really good plot twist coming up later on. Um, but I, I have another one. The, the Abe plot twist is pretty epic, I think. You, know, yeah, so. you, you get this foreshadowed because there's, there's a couple scenes where she wakes up and you hear someone in the shower. You don't know who that person is. It could be a random guy. It could be a, a roommate, a girl she's staying with. It could be her sister, who's wedding she's at and you find out that it's abe and that's just a jaw-dropping uh jaw-dropping reveal yeah and i think that's why she leaves initially because she and and she says it she's like i can't keep waking up this way and you're revealed why and it's just the worst thing in the world for her and her family to keep reliving the thing that could potentially break them up down the line. And um, Krista Malati is such a good actress, just selling that scene over and over and over again. Oh, well, it, what's so crazy about it is, um, you know, there's so many ways this writing team kind of messes with your mind and makes you think. Because you think that, you know, she just doesn't want to keep reliving this world because, I mean, it's the same day over and over again. It's that psychology of it. But no, it's because it's the same day where she made probably the biggest mistake of her life, which is sleeping with her sister's fiancé. And she has to relive the worst decision and the biggest mistake of her life over and over again and be reminded of it every single day. I mean, just 
if you're a viewer and me, myself, Jeff and I right here, think of like, just take a second to think about the dumbest thing you ever done, biggest mistake you ever done and just having to face it every single day. Could you imagine? Yeah. And then after that, I think that's when we get to the plot twist you were talking about and the reason she leaves in the first place, which is Niles earlier in the movie denied that they ever hooked up before. Yes. And when Roy's going after them again, uh, he reveals that no, not only have they hooked up before, but they've hooked up thousands of times over and over again, but he never revealed it to her. And that's the last you see of her for a good 20, 30 minutes of the movie. Well, I also love, first of all, that, that might be, might be my favorite scene is when she, you reveal that, um, first of all, there's so much to it. Obviously, first of all, getting there is hilarious because it's like, it's like Roy's chasing them. And I believe Roy gets like run over by her. Uh, it's just a weird series of stuff that she does to get, they pretty much end up getting handcuffed. And it's just a, as we said before, it's just organized chaos to how they get there. But when she, when he tells her that, what you realize is that this guy is hooked up with just about every single person at the wedding party at this point or at least a good yeah. amount of them, or at least anybody within a 100-mile radius. Um, but you realize she was always the one he was crazy about the most. Like, she is the one he fell in love with, and she's the one who got trapped in there with him. And so, in a way, the one thing he always lived for about reliving the day was finding a way to connect with her. And that was his favorite part about being trapped in the same day over and over again is that he got to wake up and see her and like relive that spark of them being together for the first time over and over again. It was just a really, really great piece of writing. I like the way you explained that, my friend. That was beautiful, the way this guy explained this right now. But yes, <laughs> these two were meant to be together. And even Niall says it uh, later in the movie. He said, this wasn't my ideal way of meeting somebody and the odds of us meeting in a time loop are astronomical or whatever he said, but the love story at the center of this movie is fantastic. Yeah, because you realize he's been in love with her for a long time. And, 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 but she just wasn't aware of what he was going through until she accidentally got trapped into the world with him. And uh, obviously she, it, it, I don't know, it's, it's just a really great piece of writing. And it's really why, why we're calling this movie a potential um, comedy classic. And I don't know how they're going to do the Golden Globes this year. Um, but I, I get, I get well, would you just wait until 2021 and then count the movies from 2020 and 2021 together? Um, is that how you think they're going to do it? Because I think this movie definitely deserves to be in consideration for a best comedy motion picture. I would say that as far as like big awards go and everything, obviously the, the little art house movies that get released, no one sees are going to get the nods, but I feel like this would get like a best, to, best original screenplay kind of nod, something like that. As far as best picture goes, I feel like it should be in consideration, but the Oscars is weird and Golden Globes too. Yeah. Um, Golden Globes. Well, know. Golden Globes is one of those things. I I, I always think like the, the comedy movies like this one get their shine mainly because the Golden Globes has a comedy section, whereas you know the Oscars they combine them all together so the the dramas kind of get the nod over the comedies. But um, 
you know, because like 21 Jump Street that and Pineapple Express, those were Golden Globe nominated movies. They got shut. They, they didn't get the they didn't get any love when it came to Oscar time, but they got the, the nod when it comes to the Golden Globes. So I, I think the Globes is kind of an opportunity for movies like this to uh, get the spotlight and potentially shine. Yeah, I would say um, it needs to be in consideration, and I feel that at least Kristen Milotti should get a, a nomination for Best Actress in a Comedy when it comes to the Golden Globes. We'll see what comes out the rest of the year. Obviously, everything's really weird right now, but this was my favorite movie of the entire year, so I, I, I'm rooting for it, yeah, for yeah. sure. We'll, uh, we'll put a list together before we end later on. Uh looking at some of the other movies that would be in consideration for 2020 just because there's really not a lot from this year. Yeah, um, like was Sonic the Hedgehog going to get nominated for Best Picture? That's what we're looking at right yeah. now. So, um, or it's going to be yeah. all net, all all streaming services pretty much. Um, yeah. Unless, I mean, uh, there could be a chance we get some movies, I guess, released in the fall. You know, maybe if like uh, movie theaters find a way to, to kind of get around this. I mean, you know, you can always put a couple seats in between, but obviously you won't be able to make the same amount of money. But at the same time, there's not a lot of other movies playing, so you just open the theater up to move, you know, play Wonder Woman on every single screen, I guess, you know, type of thing. Yeah, if Wonder Woman gets released this year, I'm calling it now. I've never, I haven't seen the movie, obviously. Best Picture nominee. Oh, yeah. Automatic. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it, could, it could be the first blockbuster released, so... I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you'd take a risk, you know, releasing yourself during a, releasing a film during a pandemic. But at the same time, if you're the first movie to be dropped in a long time that has a main, a big time mainstream interest, I mean, it could be a huge deal. I mean, people. I think I think there is is a big portion of our population that is eager to get back to the movie theater. And see a fresh blockbuster movie, despite so, despite concerns. Yeah. yeah, like summertime is normally the time we live at the movies. Me and Ryan, uh, when we lived in the same cities, we're always at the movies, mm-hmm. and it just kind of sucks that we can't do that now. Yeah. Um, really, um, is the one thing I'm missing. Like we went to go see Jurassic Park at uh, a drive-in movie out here a few weeks ago, and. It, it was a great experience, and that was something that we've been missing. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's continue with our, our favorite scenes. I have the – do we consider the fork in the face a favorite scene? That's a good comedic scene because, he, um, as Ryan said before, you get the reveal that uh, Sarah uh, cheated um, with Abe, the, the groom uh, who is marrying his, her sister – and uh, Niles figures it out because he's been in this time loop for so long that he knows the name of the shampoo that she uses and puts two and two together and confronts him at the wedding. They get into a fight. He ends up stabbing a fork in his face. And then Abe is like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> oh, it is. That. Yeah, when, when he pretty much confronts him and just, you know, he, he has like the he has the the pillow and he knows everything about perfume now because he's relived this day a million times and has learned about perfume. And he uses that as kind of evidence. It's really just a crazy buildup and, and a, just a crazy climax. And again, another scene full of organized chaos. It's kind of the, how, how I'm describing this movie. And, and I think what could be the best scene in the movie, at least up there and definitely in consideration for best scene, um, when, we, when we go to Roy's house in Irvine and meet Roy's family. 
What a scene. That's my favorite scene in the entire movie because it's so, it's so peaceful in a way. It's like this peaceful suburban scene where they're just sitting in a backyard, two guys that have had this history with each other now just having a beer, talking about life. And Roy kind of tells him, he's like, hey, man, I had a lot of resentment against you. I'm not going to see my kids grow up because of you. But I got to see the good and everything, and I'm not going to try to go after you anymore. I want to spend this day with my family over and over again. And it's the best scene in the entire movie. Uh, well, you know, we've talked about how this movie kind of had its foot on the gas for so long. And you just feel like you don't get a chance to just sit back and just breathe. And this scene really just slows it down to a point where you're just saying, oh my gosh, this is so sobering. You know, this guy really just has a complete out different outlook on life because he's been trapped in this loop and he's found a way to, to cope with it. And he's just, and it, 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 I guess it leaves, um, it, it leaves Niles almost speechless what he's seeing. But, the, but then you also get a little bit of funny with it because the whole family doesn't know who Niles is and they're all freaked out by him. Yeah, he's like, hey man, you gotta leave, you're freaking my wife out. She's just over there kind of looking through the blinds. <laughs> um, then his son is kind of, he's just watering, watering dog up. crap. Which is so funny. He's like, little Joey over there is watering dog crap. But um, he's like, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. And he's been watching him do it for 40 years or something like that. He's watching him do it for as long as he's been in the loop. He's like, every day I get to wake up to watch my son uh, water dog poop. Yeah. He's like, I never figured out why. Uh, All right. So um, we've kind of gone through the whole movie. Anything, uh, any other scenes that... uh, that we are missing. I liked when when you find out where Sarah has been her entire time off screen, which is like 15, 20, 30 minutes, but she <laughs> is learning about quantum physics, and she goes to the same internet cafe every single day to, uh, you know, Study. learn what she needs to know to get out of the time loop. And um, she's chatting with a professor, and he's like, hey, you don't even need my help. So I like that scene a lot too. Yeah, well, it's it's almost like uh, you feel like what what um what what Niles needed to get out of the the time loop was just to find somebody who's a little more motivated to get out than he was. I mean, she's uh, she's she's the one who actually took the time to go and and study all this stuff, and it's pretty much like, hey, if you want to figure out how this time loop thing works, if you're ever caught in this thing, what you do is you go and you kidnap a scientist who is the most likely person to figure it out, then drop him down that cave, too, and then uh, that's it. There you go. Now you know how to get out. Yeah. And um, the other scene that kind of stands out is Niles and Sarah find each other again, and she asks him to go with him to get out of the time loop, and he asks her to stay. And they have a disagreement about that because Niles doesn't really want to go back to normal life. He likes how easy he has it here. But uh, in the end, they do come together to be together in the end. And he loves being trapped with her. I mean, I think that's one thing that's kind of the, you kind of figure out is he's so crazy about this girl that he doesn't really care that he has to repeat every day with her. So, um, but then fortunately he gets out and they get, they get to, I guess they get caught when they uh, go to the, their, their getaway house. 
Yeah, so earlier in the movie, Niles uh, tells Sarah, this is kind of my getaway house, this house like up in the hills over in Palm Springs. And they figure out at the end of the movie that the family comes home November 10th, and they're in the pool, and uh, it's a great ending. He said, now I guess we got to go pick up my dog. I, I love it. <laughs> well, they also um, have a... You also get a, a scene where, where J.K. Simmons, who plays Roy, comes back, goes to the wedding, and he's been he's he got a letter pretty much from Sarah explaining to him um, how how to get out of the time loop, and so he approaches he approaches Niles at the at the wedding, and, and Niles like who are you, and that's when he realized that he's oh wow these guys got out, but then you kind of realize wait a minute we don't actually know who Niles was before this whole thing. We don't know what he was like. We don't know how, how he acted at the wedding or how he was um, before all this. We only know the guy who was in that first scene where he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt to a, to a wedding. So Yeah, like you get a little glimpse of it. Um, I think when Roy and, and Niles first hang out and they start doing a bunch of cocaine together, oh, yeah. Niles is kind of little, a little bit high-strung. But yeah, this is the first real scene that you... Uh, see who Niles was before being stuck in a time loop for 40 years. And it's the final scene in the movie, and it's a great ending. All right, so I think it's now time for us to rank our favorite characters. What do you think? Who is your top five? I really think it's between three people, and then you kind of just fill in the side characters after that, right? Because it's really, yeah. we, we, it, it's three people eat up the screen more than anybody else or have a more significant role to the plot than everybody else does, and that's... uh. Niles, Sarah, and uh, Roy. So I would go Sarah, Niles, Roy, but they're uh, all pretty close. Yeah, I, I, th I think I'd have to agree with that. Um, I just think Sarah, as you said before, the uh, Kristen Malati show-stealing performance is really strong. I, I don't actually, I don't know. I, I think you could make an argument for Roy in a way over Niles, just because I think that. What really stand, that that scene when you go to his house really just uh, just just hits you so hard, and it's such a great performance by J.K. Simmons. You just you see why he's just. I mean, he's such an elite actor, and you see it all right here. And so, in a way, I do think you could potentially say Roy's a better character than Niles, but it is close. And I, I think you still have to give Niles, I think, the slight edge because he is a great lead. But I mean, Roy's Roy's character carried by a great performance by J.K. Simmons, really does uh, make him just a great character that really is in contention for the best character in this movie. Yeah, and he's not even on scene that much. I would probably say he's on screen maybe 10, 15 minutes, and he, he steals every scene that he's in. So um, he, he's really good in this movie. As far as the side characters go... Um, Misty's probably the up there. Yeah. Uh, she's such a terrible person, uh, and they sell that really well. Oh yeah. Uh, you find out that she's cheating on Niles, and he says, "Believe me, there's not a world where these two don't end up with each other." And he knows because he's relived this day over and over and over. Um, that's a great character as well. Yeah, and, and, and number well, five, I'd have to think. Um. Well, first of all, let's talk about Misty's character because I think we can probably circle her in there as number four. Um. What was well, kind of slightly got left off our list for best scenes. There is a hilarious uh, 
early part of the wedding where, where she gives the best, she gives a speech at the wedding and it's so terrible. And I do think oh, that that is a that is a hilarious a hilarious uh, uh, sequence there. Yeah, uh, hashtag life goals was uh, one of the the phrases in, in that speech uh, for someone that uh, is getting married right now. Um, that would be kind of cringy if I heard that in my own uh, wedding. That's for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she is the worst, Misty. Yes. 100%. All right, so some of the other side characters, we have Abe Howard, who's the dad, uh, uh, P.O.I. Wilder, uh, Darla, Trevor, and Jerry as some of the other characters. Um, I'm going to go off the wall for my fifth best character. Well, I was going to say it's, Jerry. I would say the bartender. Oh, yeah, I forgot kinda, about the bartender. It's kind of crazy. Um, like... It's revealed that Niles did hook up with her, too, in his time in the time loop. And she has a great line in that scene where she's like, yeah, I hit a guy with this car before, and I don't think he ever walked again. I love that scene. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the, the bartender definitely has some, uh, has, has some interesting, uh, interesting moments. And Darla's pretty, pretty goofy as well. But I, I just think Jer Jerry has some great great lines too uh he's a great side character you find out that he's actually hooked up with with niles also um and he's one of the first characters to actually see because he jumps into the pool with him um early on in his first first day in the sequence that we get to see and i noticed something the second time too because when they're talking to each other um at the end of it they're like hey anything can happen today and he kind of winks at him at the end and you realize that those two characters did hook up before. So uh, it's a nice nod the second time around. Um, some other stuff I, I, I caught the second time around. It's kind of alluded to that the grandma who goes up to them um, after the end of Niall's speech could be stuck in the time loop as well. There's some interesting comments there. So if you haven't watched it a second time, you should go back and watch it. I'm tempted to, yeah. You, you really made me want to watch the second time just because... Um... Well, my my girlfriend asked how I liked it because we didn't watch it together, and and uh, I was like, "You really should. It's definitely highly recommended. I definitely highly recommend it for everybody, especially since we're all fiending for a new movie content right now." Um, you know, I was just so happy to have Last Chance You back. So having a, a solid movie that could be a um, Golden Globe, probably not an Oscar contender, but potentially an Oscar contender, uh, probably a long shot, and probably a very long shot honestly but but definitely a golden globe contender in a way um it's just nice to have right now honestly yeah we are all for any new content we can get and uh you know we were talking about what do you think the best movies of 2020 were so far i got a, i got a little bit of a list all right go It'd ahead be this one at number one which is palm springs number two would be the invisible man um that's a great movie, one of the best horror movies I've seen in a long time. Number three would be Birds of Prey, and that's kind of where my list ends there for now. Yes, Birds of Prey did come out this year, and I did enjoy that quite a lot. Um, it was definitely... Um, it, it's very impressive that you can have a movie that was so poorly reviewed the first time around, 
And I, this is not an official sequel to Suicide Squad, but it de I mean, it's the same lead character. She's written the exact same way, played by the same actress, but completely different movie in terms of execution and how uh, successful it was. Yeah, it was uh, so much different than Suicide Squad. Uh, push in the right direction. For sure. Yeah, no, Mar Margot Robbie is, is literally like the, you could not have casted a more perfect Harley Quinn. I mean, just, she, she fits the character so well. She, she has the look, um, the personality. And it just, it, it, you could tell she's having fun doing it also. I mean, she, she brings, you know, that, 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 that charm that's supposed to come with Harley Quinn, but still like just still twisted, you know? Twistedly yeah. charming, kind of. It's pretty much just like the Joker in a way. Yeah, this I think is the year of strong female characters. So you have, you know, Krista Malati as Sarah in this movie. You have Marco Robbie as Harley Quinn um, in Birds of Prey, and then in The Invisible Man, uh, you have the lead character there. I forget her her name. She was in Mad Men, and she's in The Handmaid's Tale. Um, but she was the main character there, and she's a great actress. Uh, name's kind of escaping me right now, but three really solid uh, main female characters this year. I can't disagree with you. Uh, I've got the uh, the tomato monitor, you know, because that just totally is the most accurate way of uh, reviewing movies, right? Um, yeah. But uh, it, it's it's at least a good um, at least a good good little help way, or at least a. Uh, Set up, but I'm seeing a lot of what it looks like good amount of indie films and documentaries. We have like uh, Crip Camp, A Disability Revolution, uh, Driveways, Mucho Mucho Amor, Athlete A, A Secret Love, Rewind, and Hamilton's on here, you know, uh, Miss Juneteenth, St. Francis. Yeah, I'm going through here. There is a lot of uh, there's a lot of documentaries, but that's that that's not that's not rare though. You know, documentaries, no. good documentaries always score high, especially on a, a tomato or like a on a, a review aggregator like this. So that's that's no that's no surprise here. Yeah, and it was Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss is Elizabeth Moss was who I was talking about. Uh, but yeah. I'm curious to see what we're going to get the rest of the year. Is Tenet going to come out? We'll see. Um, yeah, but I love this movie. Well, well, you were you mentioned Sonic the Hedgehog earlier. I must uh, point out that um, Sonic the Hedgehog did have a decently decent reviews. Not great, but you know, I believe like on the Rotten Tomatoes score chart, it's at sixty percent. It's in the sixties, and it's only in the sixties, and that's considered to be like either the first or even, like, top three highest-rated video game-based movies ever, which is pathetic that we have I not am, gotten better movies based off of games. I am pushing for this movie super hard on Twitter to get nominated for Best Picture because I think it would be hilarious. I want Jim Carrey to be Best Supporting Actor. I want this movie to get Best Picture nod. Uh, I'm going all in for the go All in on Sonic. Let's go. All in. Well, it's all in. and it's, it's funny because, you know, actually, if you, like, um, <laughs> I mean, if you just look up the, like, the stories about this movie and how it was made, there's so many, um, 
there were so many barriers because it, it had a trailer release, right? And just the animation got just ripped alive. Oh my it, it, the, God, the internet exploded. Yeah, and then they, they reanimated him, and it's still, it, it, I mean, it's like a success. It's, it's a great rebound story, honestly, in a way. Sonic with human teeth. If you haven't seen the original trailer, look that up too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got, a, we got really off topic here. We did. Um, Palm Springs, one of the best comedies in the last five years, I would say. Strong performances from the three main characters. Great chemistry. Check it out. Great create chemistry. A, create a free Hulu account right now and watch it. That's yeah, what I would say it's really it's really just a great a great it's 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 an original take on a um, on an old an old theme, uh, but just really great chemistry from all the character from some of the top characters involved and top actors and actresses involved, and that just really I think pushes this movie into being in consideration for being an instant classic. For sure, 100%. Well, this is another week of Box Office Quarterbacks. We're still going strong. We got some new followers this week on our Facebook page. And um, we're doing the Karate Kid next week. That correct, Jeff? Yeah, I, I wanted to revisit this movie. Um, you know, Cobra Kai's been coming out for a few years now. And I, I feel kind of a sort of attachment to these characters again. And I think it would be... You know, really cool to go back to see how it all began and the saga that's kind of living on even into the year 2020 right now. And definitely want to see how well this movie has aged over the years. I think that's kind of the thing we like to look at when we go back and look at these. Because uh, Karate Kid released back in 1984. We're doing another 80s movie. We've done quite a lot, I would say, so far. We love the 80s here. We love the 80s. Yeah. Sure. But really, I mean, the 80s isn't the best decade, though. It's the 90s. And I feel like the 70s is up there, too. So keep that in mind. But we're still keeping it in the 80s. Uh, and then uh, we really got to figure out our schedule after that because we have no plans uh, after Karate Kid. So we got to go ahead and pick I one. We I still want to do a bad really movie. bad movie in there. Well, okay. So um, I, I've done some research on the Jaws films since, uh, since we did that. And, oh, man, after Jaws 2, talk about how much a franchise can go downhill. Like terrible, terrible movies. Like Jaws three D, Jaws the Revenge. I told you. Jaws the Revenge, mystical shark hunting mm -hmm. a family. Well, and there have been people who've ragged on the American Pie sequels, but I mean, if you're comparing the American Pie sequels to the Jaws sequels, I mean, those movies might as well be masterpieces. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. those were watchable movies, right? Like. And the second Jaws sequel is, is is a watchable movie, but then after that they just become uh, it's 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 beyond me how how far they fell. Yeah, I I think Jaws: The Revenge would be a good one for us to be a to do a bad a movie, bad movie. on just because of I don't know oh I don't know because there are some there are some terrible uh, <laughs> attempts at 3D in in Jaws. Jaws 3D. I mean, talk about a movie that tried to push the t push the world of technology at an early, way too early. You know, just we weren't ready for for 3D like that, and no. and then we got it, unfortunately. Yeah, I want a bad movie in there somewhere. Yeah. Batman and Robin, something. I want to. I want to. Let's let's uh let's post it. Let's post it on our social media and see if we get any nominees. 
Let's do it. We're, we're going to think of four choices. No, 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 no choices. Just, just no choices. Oh, no. Okay. On Facebook, we'll get in Facebook and Instagram. We'll give no choices and just be like comment section. Anything is possible. Go. And then on Twitter, we'll if we get any nominees from that Facebook list, then we can put like the top four down on Twitter or something like that. Or we can just go ahead and pick four generic ones. And it would be like a Jaws sequel, Batman and Robin. The Room, the worst movie uh, ever made. <laughs> the actual which Room. Which is so, oh my God, it's so bad. And it's hilarious. And the, the backstory behind it is so crazy, too. Yeah. Well, um, or we could do that USS Indianapolis story. Apparently, you know, the, the, the story is, is definitely like a, one, of, one of the crazier stories from World War II, but uh, the, the one movie they had made about it is pretty poorly reviewed also. So I will do any, I will do any movie with Oscar winner Nick Cage. <laughs> All right. Oscar winner, yeah. Hey, you know what? Nick, there, Nicholas Cage still has some good, uh, some good movies out there and good performances. I, I, I came across Face Off today on the, uh, on the cable. And that was a good Nicolas Cage movie. And then National Treasure was a great Nicolas Cage movie. That's got to be one in there, too. Yeah, might as well. We'll think about it. All right. Well, I'm Ryan Schmelz. He's Jeffrey Gordon. We're having a lot of fun with this. And we hope you'll join us next week for The Karate Kid. Have a great week. And thank you for joining us on Box Office Quarterbacks. Mm -hmm.